You're listening to another life-transforming message from C3 Church San Diego. For more information on our church, go to c3sandiego.com. We're going to have a great morning. Do you know how I, I know this? Because everything possible that could go wrong this morning went wrong as it relates to getting this message here. That's why I'm preaching off a laptop like Bill Gates. Because the printer broke, and then when I worked out how to fix it, um, the, um, the, the ink cartridge ran out, then the paper got jammed, then uh, I thought, all right, well, I'll preach from my iPad. But then somebody hacked my Google account and I couldn't transfer my notes to my iPad. It was just like, you know when that happens? Yeah. I, I don't know why the devil continues to do this stuff because immediately it's a sign to me, yeah. this morning is going to be amazing. Yeah. And you're just really scared. So I, I kind of get a bit excited. I don't know what he, he continues to bother with his mischief. <laughs> So you have these Shredder Sunday cards. So as I'm speaking, I'm going to be speaking a little shorter this morning just to make time for us to do something so significant. Pretty soon you're going to see some shredding machines lie in the front altar here. And what I'd like you to do is I want you to grab a hold of everything you've bought that you want to shred from 2019 so you can walk into 2020 unencumbered. And look, you may have um, negative doctor's reports, you may have bills because of your overspending and so on and so forth. However, I know for me when it comes to this Sunday, the bigger things that I'm wanting to shred are maybe the words that have been spoken over me that stick like residue to my soul that I keep replaying, or negative thoughts about myself, negative thinking that I've had, or experiences that have lingered long after the event has taken place, or maybe the the offense. And I'm just very aware that God wants us to be continually shedding things as his kids. So we're not going to go through through life without pain, without struggle, and without trial. I wish we could. I wish I could stand up here and say, the minute you accept Jesus into your life and you're born again, you'll never have another bad day. But it's just not true. Because we live on the wrong side of eternity. There will come a day when Jesus splits the clouds and the trumpet sounds and the earth shakes And we all go to glory that we won't ever have to worry about trial or tribulation again. However, while we're on broke down planet Earth, we're going to have some bad days and some things that we need to forget. Some things that we need to leave behind and push forward, just like the Apostle Paul said. He said, you know, this one thing I do, forgetting what lay behind And it's very interesting when he says that because just a couple of verses or chapters later, he talks about all the things that happened to him. He's like, I was shipwrecked. I was beaten. I was whipped 40 times minus one. Don't know for the life of me why I can't just say 39 times. (laughs) Sounds a lot more dramatic, doesn't it? Uh, He talks about how he was thrown into prison and how how much he was afflicted. It's like, what's he doing? He's remembering. How funny, he tells us to forget it, and here he is remembering. But you know, I've realized there there are some things we'll go through in life that we may not forget the actual event, but the stain is no longer there. So you may not forget the trauma so much that happened to you as an experience, 
but you no longer feel the energy around it. And that's what God is going to do because there are some things we are best to leave in the past. And that is what Shredder Sunday is all about. So I'm stepping into this new year and whenever I step into a new year, I feel God speak to me specifically about what he wants to do in my own life. I have to start with myself. Before I teach you, I have to allow the Lord to teach and speak to me. So there are a couple of things that that God is speaking to me about. One of them is stepping up in boldness, which is probably a bit scary for everyone. But I feel to to really take it to the next level. And particularly, um, I'm feeling an urgency into speaking into areas like relationships, specifically marriages. And um, I'm sorry, little baby Noah Jurgen. (laughs) He's having a little cry on the front there. Specifically around marriages. So I just want you to already, as we get ready to step into 2020, just brace yourselves as the church family for some uh, truth born from the womb of love, always from the womb of love. Because I really believe that God is wanting to restore men and women in the marriage relationship, but then also individually and uniquely wanting to restore the, the true image of what a man of God looks like and the true image of what a woman of God looks like. So the title of my message this morning is Name Change name change. And as I was preparing and putting this together, I was thinking about all the people in the Bible where God changed their name. And there are some pretty famous stories. We know that God spoke to Simon and renamed him Peter. He was no longer going to be no longer going to be Simon, reed shaken in the wind, but he would be Peter, rock, steady, strong. And in fact, we see that he became exactly what Jesus prophesied. He became the fruition of a rock steady and the builder of the New Testament church. We see that God did that for the for the, the murderous zealot Saul. He renamed him Paul and he too became an incredible builder of the New Testament church. But I want to talk about the first ever name change that we see in the Bible. And it was actually not just one person, it was two, and it was a couple. And I believe that this is the word of the Lord to us today. And this particular couple, the journey they went through, I believe in some way or another, every single man or woman will also go through very similar journeys. I'm talking today about Abram and Sarai. So their their parents named them Abram and Sarai, but then God renamed them Abraham and Sarah. I had a dream many, many years ago when my son Ashley was a little boy. And in this particular dream, he was swimming in a swimming pool and all of a sudden he started to drown. And it was very traumatic, even in the dream context. And then all of a sudden, these two big hands came out as my son submerged into the water. These two big hands came up and lifted him up. And you know those dreams that you have that feel so real? This was one of those dreams that felt so real. And as the hands lifted him up out of the water, I I heard the Lord so clearly say, his name is not Ashley, his name is Joshua. And, And I... 
It was the middle of the night and I turned to my husband, which is like waking a hibernating bear. If I try to engage with this man before 7.30 in the morning, I better look out. And I was like, Jürgen, Jürgen, we have to change Ashley's name. We have to change Ashley's name. God told me he's Joshua. And of course he's like, well, unless God tells me specifically, then it's staying exactly as it is. And so he's still called Ashley, but I felt the Lord say, look, it's all right. But that's just what we call him in heaven. And I I was given a a scripture for him, and it was, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And it's what God spoke to Joshua, and it's his life first, or the one that as his mother I speak over him. And just like this happened to my son Ashley and happened to Abram and Sarai, I believe that God is going to take us through an identity change. Not becoming something different, but becoming the person that we were always meant to be. Can somebody say amen? Amen. Amen. So I'm going to get into this this morning. Come on, work. There we go. Right, it says this in Genesis 15, verse 1 to 6. Sometime later, the Lord spoke to Abram, somebody say Abram, in a vision, and said to him, Do not be afraid, Abram, for I will protect you. How many people want to hear that word from the Lord today? Well, you can grab it today. You can grab it. And your reward will be great. But Abram replied, Oh, sovereign Lord, what good are all your blessings? I I love his courage and his body. He's talking to God and he immediately starts piping off about what he doesn't have. Oh, sovereign Lord, what good are all your blessings when I don't even have a son? Since you've given me no children, Eliezer of Damascus, a man I don't even like that much, a servant in my household, will inherit all my wealth. You have given me no descendants of my own, so one of my servants will be my heir. Then the Lord said to him, No, your servant will not be your heir, for you will have a son of your own who will be your heir. Then the Lord took Abram outside and said to him, Look look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. And Abram believed the Lord, and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. Now, I believe that this is a journey that every man will have to go on, just like Father Abraham. So God changes his name from Abram, exalted father to Abraham, father of nations. As if it wasn't already bad enough for a guy who had no kids, being called exalted father. I mean, it was just a tad bit embarrassing. But what I love about God, true to the word that Michael spoke over our friend here today, is he doesn't back down when the situation doesn't look like it's going to come to pass. He doubles down. He's like, I'm going to change your name from exalted father to father of nations. And I believe this is the journey that God wants to take all our men folk on this year. See, God took Abram on a journey from being a man who was very fearful to a man who was full of faith. And what I love about Abraham is that when his life looked disappointing and he was discouraged, he was very real. He cried out to God. He was honest with God. Do you know that you can be honest with God today? You don't have to pray pretty little prayers that you think he wants to hear. The Bible says that um, God wants to 
to speak to you and wants you to speak to him like a man speaks to his friend. You can be honest with God today. I, I need to tell you that. But what I love about this is Abraham was extremely honest with God about his situation. And I think many of us today, we're not talking to the Lord clearly and openly about what we're facing, the disappointments we're carrying, and allowing him to fill us with his promise and his word. So when we don't engage with God and we don't let him speak to us in the midst of our disappointment, we become less than what we were called to be, particularly for men. I want to say this today. The greatest gift you can give your family, you can give your wife, or if you're a single person, you can give this community, is to be a man of great faith. You know, there has been an attack on men. Making them be quiet, making them be, we want you to sit down and we just want you to settle. But I'm telling you, just like the prophet prophesied, the Lord is looking for a man who would stand up and make a wall and stand in the gap on behalf of the city. Our world is desperately in need for some men of faith and courage. And when we don't process our dis disappointment and our discouragement rightly with the Lord, we can live under things that God has called us to live over. When my, when my eldest son went through a very deep, dark rebellion and addiction, I thank God that I was married to an Abraham, who even when I was discouraged and downcast and worried and afraid about what the future looked like, as it related to my son, my husband was full of faith and that faith came because he spent time with the Lord and got a word from God. So we find here that Abraham, he, he steps aside and he, and, he, and he makes the time to hear from God and God speaks to him and says to him, Abram, everything's going to be okay. I'm going to change your name. You're going to be Abraham, father of many nations, and you're going to have your own kid. I mean, this is incredible to me. He lingered and took the time to hear the word of the Lord for himself and his family. In Psalm 34, 19, it says this. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. But then it goes on to say that the Lord delivers him out of them all. Somebody say amen. That's a shouting point right there. So the signature of the believer is not that they don't experience hardship. In fact, Peter said, don't be surprised when various trials come to test you. But the signature of God is not that we don't experience hardship as Christians. It's that we experience the signature of God's faithfulness. We may experience trials, but when we're with God and we're people of faith, we realize that God will deliver us out of them all. And we're living in a world and a time right now that has a bit of a faith gap. A bit of a faith link. So if I can stir you up in your most holy faith today, man, and say the world has need of some great men of faith. Some Abrahams who even though they're faced with adverse situations, don't roll the heavy lifting onto their wives spiritually. So the wives are over in the prayer closet and they got the rosary beads. And they're all wrinkly and they need to go see Derek and get some Botox because they're so worried and concerned. Because the husband's down in the dumps. My life's hard. I don't know what God's doing. He's waiting for you. 
He's waiting for a man of God to stand up and believe in that word. I'm telling you today, our nation, our communities are in great need of men of faith. And listen, God never asks us to be something that he has not first empowered us to be. He's not saying, here, I want you to be this. However, I'm going to make it impossible for you to fulfill. He's like, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to put my my heart in your Abraham, my Abraham. I'm going to put my breath in you. Men of God, today I want to ask you, are you people who spend time praying in the Spirit? If you've not been baptized in the Holy Ghost, you're in a church that very strongly believes and advocates being filled with the Spirit of God and getting a prayer, a supernatural prayer language of your own. The Bible says there are times where you and I We'll go through life and we don't know how to pray as we ought. In other words, we can be so overwhelmed and discombobulated with the situations that we're facing that we don't even know what to pray. So God says, don't worry, I've got you covered. I'm going to fill you with the Spirit of God. You're going to get baptized with fire. You're going to get a prayer language, men and ladies, but I'm speaking specifically to the men folk today, great men of faith that are in this room today. And when you get baptized in the Holy Spirit and start to pray in tongues, you pray the perfect prayer every time. In fact, go on, give God a, a real clap. Because I believe we're going to have a revival of men and women of God that step up and really understand the incredible prayer privilege they have in being able to pray in the Spirit. Things will shift. I went through a... A crisis just recently, and I didn't know how it was going to end. I had no reassurance in the natural. And when you don't have reassurance in the natural or an amen in the natural, it's very easy to get down in the dumps and to feel sorry for yourself. But in those moments, don't be afraid or ashamed to come to God, just like Abraham did. He said, "Oh God, I like great. I'm, I'm glad that." You're my exceedingly great reward, but what I really want is a baby, and I don't have a baby. And this issue had become an obsession in his family, and he was honest with God about his situation when he was down in the dumps. And I would say to you today, let's take our cue from Abraham. When life is overwhelming and disappointment and discouragement are standing at the door, you may be down in the dumps, but don't stay Go find your secret place in prayer and start to pray in the Spirit. And so when I was in this in this place of despair, not knowing what was going to happen, I felt the Lord say, Leanne, just go pray. And, you know, I, I made a decision every morning, I'm going to get up 10 minutes early and I'm just going to pray in the Spirit. And I set my timer to do that because I can't trust myself. So I got the 10-minute timer in my back pocket. I got the Bethel music playing without words, lest I turn it into a worship session. And I just pray in the spirit. And it's amazing. Things may not shift automatically in the natural, but something will shift in you. You go from a fearful person to a faith-filled person. Do you understand today what a privilege we have as God's kids? Amen, Leanne. Amen. Amen. I'm preaching to myself today. What else do I want to tell you? Okay, man, you need to hear this. Because we can complain. We can complain a whole bunch when the fiery trial comes upon us. 
and we can get all upset and it's, there's no point even going to church because no things don't happen for believers and life's just hard and life's just a struggle. No, God will allow you to go through trials because they strengthen you like nothing else will. You think of the time where you leaned on Jesus and were closer to him than you've ever been. I would wager that it was a time where you were walking through the heat of a trial. There's nothing like a trial for you to grow closer in your relationship with the Lord. I wish we grew closer because of the victories, but the truth is it's the trials that strengthen us. And James says this in James chapter 1, verses 2 to 4. Consider it a sheer gift. I mean, this is almost... I don't know. I mean... Some of you may want to punch James in the face when you see him in heaven. Consider it a sheer gift, friends, when tests and challenges, somebody lift your hand if you had a test or a challenge in 2019, come at you from all sides. Not even just one side, all of them at once. You know, men, that under pressure, Your faith life is forced into the open and it shows its true colors. Now, don't be afraid of that because maybe when your faith life is forced into the open and it shows its true colors, you find yourself lacking in faith. That's all right. The Lord does not condemn you today. He says, let me fill you with faith and hope again to believe that tomorrow is going to be better than today and the day after that is going to be better than tomorrow. So don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Let it do its work so you become mature and well-developed and not deficient in any way. And and I'm I'm not being critical today. However, I do want to make an observation about this current generation and their aversion to pain. The reason we have the most addicted society, the reason we have the most anxious society is somewhere along the line, we believed that life should be pain free. So if I have a headache, I just take a Tylenol. If I've got a worry, I just take some medication to, to, to mask that instead of dealing with stuff, instead of coming to the Lord in faith. God, I feel bad. I am downcast, just like King David. Oh, my soul, why is my spirit so downcast within me? I will yet praise God. Do you know you can speak yourself into faith and into hope for the future. And I'm not just talking about futile positive thinking, like if I just say things that are positive and I think good thoughts. No, none of that mumbo jumbo. I'm talking about a faith confession that is rooted and grounded in what God said. What has God said? I'm determined that when I get to heaven, I'm not going to turn up to heaven with a whole bunch of blank checks that I never cashed. I had one on there for healing. Had one on there for joy, even in the midst of the experience of mourning. I had one in there for prosperity, even though the locusts came and took away stuff. One in there for for forgiveness and overcoming when I was betrayed or let down. And I turned up to heaven and I got my checkbook with all my checks that God gave me. And I'm turning up with it there. God's going to be like, what the hell? <laughs> that, you don't need them up here. <laughs> you're whole, you're perfect. There's no bitterness, no anguish, no torment. That, and it doesn't. You didn't need them here. 
You needed them down there. I wonder if that's why Jesus said, when I return, will I still find faith? See, we've ascribed different attributes as the most virtuous. Well, but it's amazing to me that, that Jesus would say, when he comes back, what he's looking for is people of faith. He didn't say, when I come back, will I still find love or compassion or patience or encouragement? He said, will I find faith? Do you know why he says that? Because he knows that faith can purchase what money cannot buy. And sadly, in this life, you're going to need a whole lot of it. Because we will walk through some trials. And I believe that just like God changed fearful Abram to faith-filled Abraham, God is wanting to do that in the lives of the men of this city. Men, we have need of you. We have a bunch of strong women. And in order for the force to not be out of balance, we need some strong men to lead them. And, and we can pipe up all day long about how the Bible says, wives, submit to your husbands, but it's very hard to submit to a man who is not in submission to the Lord and who is weak and really living. It's time for you to stand up. It's time for you to take authority over the things that are coming against your family and to believe God and his word. The Bible says that Abram believed God. I wonder what would shift in our family, our circumstances, our lives, our business lives if we believe God at his word. I am a big believer. If there is a promise in the Bible, then we need to claim it. And if there's a command in the Bible, we need to follow it. If we just do those two things, our lives will look a whole lot different. Somebody say amen. Right, what else do I want to tell you, man? You know what, I'll leave it there. I'll leave it there. That's enough for you to chew on. Okay. I'll move on to the ladies. Yeah. It's a good one. So God comes to Sarai. Her name means princess. Beautiful. Beautiful princess. And he renames her Sarah. Now, I want to I be honest with you today about the state of Abraham and Sarah's or Abram and Sarai's relationship. It was pretty flippant dysfunctional. He kind of put his wife out as a lamb led to the slaughter because he was afraid for his own life. He said to his wife, I want you to tell everybody in Egypt that you're my sister because you're so beautiful that they will kill me for you. And so she was taken into the palace into the Pharaoh's harem. I mean, this guy is not going to win husband of the year award. In fact, there are no, there are absolutely no scriptures in the Bible to, to make us think that Abram had much affection or, or pleasantries with his wife at all. We're not seeing them be affectionate. In fact, when Sarai, in her, in her depressed and discouraged state, thinking she wasn't going to have a baby, decided that she would make things happen in her own strength, See, she, she suggested to her husband, Abraham, and said, Abraham, I want you to sleep with my maidservant, Hagar. Maybe we'll have a child through her. He didn't wasn't even 10 seconds and he'd already agreed. Okay, I mean, it felt like there was not a whole lot of love in this relationship. So as a result, Sarai is, she's mean. She's a mean and bitter woman. So much so that when her plan comes to fruition and her maidservant, Hagar, falls pregnant with a baby, she becomes so incredibly jealous, jealous that she beats her. I mean, you shouldn't beat a woman. 
but you especially should not beat a pregnant woman. <laughs> and Sarai treats Hagar so harshly, the Bible says, that Hagar runs away from her presence. And then Sarai comes to Abram and says, my sin be upon you because you did this. And, and so she's like looking for someone to blame because all her best plans to make it happen in her own strength have fallen short. And so I love this particular scripture because God doesn't come to Sarai and rebuke her. He sends an angel to speak to Abraham and he says, I'm going to change your name from Abram to Abraham, exalted father to father of many. But your wife, I'm going to change her name from Sarai, princess, to Sarah, my princess. He makes it personal. Immediately he comes at Sarai, this bitter, harsh, because she had been unloved, unpleasant woman, and said, what this woman doesn't need is a, re uh, is a rebuke. What she needs is a restoration of her value and her worth. So I believe today, ladies, that the word of the Lord for you in 2020 is God is going to restore your worth. I mean, it's a mystery to me to look around sometimes and see the most beautiful women with the most mean, chauvinistic, not to mention, but ugly men. It is one of the greatest mysteries of all time. Like, how did that happen? And the truth is, their worth has been so demolished because of the society they've been in. They've made all kinds of compromises. And this is where we find Sarai. She's making all kinds of compromises because her worth is so shattered. Sure, she was princess. She was beautiful, so beautiful that... Abram was afraid that Pharaoh was going to kill him for his wife and so he let her be used like a toy in the palaces of Egypt but she had no worth and so God spoke to her and said you're not just princess you're my princess you're mine you belong to me and girls for you the word of the Lord today is this year God is going to restore your worth in Proverbs 31 we hear about the woman of great worth, who can find a virtuous wife for her worth is far above rubies. Then it goes on to list all the incredible things she does. She's an epic real estate agent. She's an awesome mum. She shops online from afar. She looks after her friends and her family. She helps the needy and the poor. But isn't it interesting that the first verse describing that woman of virtue is telling us, her worth. Many people say, well, if I get a wife who does all that stuff, then I'll call her worthy. But God does things differently to men, most men. He said, no, I'm going to remind you of your worth. And then when you have a revelation of your worth, because you're not just a princess, you're not just a pretty face, you're my princess. He made it personal. And when you get a revelation of your worth, everything is going to come back into alignment. So this is the word of the Lord today. God is going to really do some magnificent things in the midst of our church. I do feel like our church is an apostolic church and God starts works here in San Diego. Who would have thought that the city that is closest to Mexico, almost at the bottom of America, would be a pioneer and a leader in the nation? But I really believe that we're going to be that way. That the signature of God over our church will be men of great faith. Not weak, lily-livid, pussy-footed, like 
men who just can't get it together and they walk around like they've been baptised in vinegar and lost their last friend and think everybody hates them. Ah, enough of that. And I'm not, I'm not trying to say that, there's, that men should come in a type. But whether you're a sensitive man or you're a macho man, you can each be a man of faith. In fact, I would say to you today, you should be a man of faith. It's in your DNA. It's who you are. You're a pioneer. For goodness sake, God made you out of the dirt. You're amazing. Look what he did with his masterpiece. My gosh. And I would say for the women, maybe some of the things that you're about to shred this morning have have happened in your life simply because you've made compromises because of your worth. This year, God is going to reveal to you who you truly are. He's going to reshape your identity. You're not just princess. You're not just woman. Good for cooking, good for cleaning, good for baby making. You're his princess, my princess. I'd love it if the band would come this morning. As we come to a close, and I'm going to ask uh, Pastor Michael and Lisa to come up and help us get the shredding done. And I hope you've been writing as I've been talking. But the final point that I want to make today is this. So the letter that God adds to both Abraham, Abram, excuse me, and Sarai's name is H. Now this H is the fifth letter of the Hebrew alphabet. So this fifth letter is not insignificant. In fact, it means grace. Isn't it incredible when you come to a fearful man who was facing the battle of his lifetime and he had to wait a hundred odd years to see it come to pass? And then a woman who was going through her darkest day, thinking she was never going to have a baby, then looking to her own hand to bring about a result. God speaks to them both and he puts grace on them. It's not by your striving. It's not by you being better. And sometimes the very capable ones amongst us can be the most afflicted because we continually look to our own strength. And I hear the word of the Lord to us today saying, don't trust in the hand of man. Do not trust in your own hand. I want you to now look to the hand of the Lord. The Bible says that he stretches out his hand and he takes care of the needs of every living thing. How much more you, the son that he loves, the daughter that he loves. God is going to add his grace into your life today. When we receive the of God into our lives, it takes us from a place of striving and torment and a lack of peace to an incredible place of trust. Then the Bible goes on to say in the end that the Lord was gracious to Sarah just as he promised she gave birth to a son and his name was Isaac and Isaac means laughter we have a problem in this world today many people afflicted with anxiety when we learn to trust God what we give birth to spiritually is joy the minute you try to make thing take things into your own hand if I just do this do that or the other no just trust God what has he said what has he said He said, my joy is going to be your strength. My peace, I'm leaving with you. You're going to need it on planet Earth, so I'm going to leave it for you. I don't need it up there, but you're going to need it down here. All these things are available to you today. Why? Because he's gracious. God's grace is going to rest upon you today. It made all the difference 
for Abram and Sarai. In fact, it's the grace of God today that means we can have a shred of Sunday. That means we can have a yesterday so we can forget everything that happened, just like Paul said, and press on to a new and more glorious day. Love it if you'd stand to your feet and just lift your hands. You're going to have a name change this year. What is your name change going to look like? Are you going to go from anxiety to joy this year? Is God changing your name from anxious to joyful? Is he changing your name from weak to strong? Is he changing your name from fearful to faithful? Is he changing your name from warrior warrior, to prayer warrior? I'm going to pick that one. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our pastors, team, and what we do at C3 San Diego, go to C3SanDiego.com.